0: You're listening to the Maniverse Podcast with your host Tom Traplin. This is session number 59. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I am your host Tom Traplin and this is the podcast where we talk about building successful and profitable game businesses. Typically, that means interviews with some of the most successful local game store owners in North America. Sometimes that means in-depth discussions on the strategies and tools used to build them. And sometimes we talk about the publishing side of the industry and bringing a new game to the market. In today's episode, I have Gene Ju with me on the show. He's the manager of Magic at Guardian Games, Portland's greatest game store. Grandest game store. And today we're going to talk about why building a thriving Magic community has been crucial to Guardian Games' success. Say hi.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: (laughs) Welcome Thanks for to having show. me, Tom. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for coming on. So, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Just give us a little bit of a background. Who are you?
1: Hi, I'm Gene. Um, I've been playing Magic since Ice Age uh, when I was in uh, let's see here elementary school. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I could only afford grab bags and <laughs> grabbing little grab bags and little tidbits yeah. from uh, allowances. And I just got recently not recently, but I got back and I took a break and then in college and then i came back at around dark ascension and i remember going back and just habits i was immediately going through the grab bags i'm like what am i doing i'm like adult now i can afford uh, magic cards <laughs> so i yeah, bought some uh, bought my actual legit deck i uh, bought a you know standard deck and haven't looked back since
0: <laughs> so how did you uh, come into your job as magic manager at guardian games
1: uh shortly after playing uh dark i got back into dark ascension like i said and um i was just you know going by t- traveling to different stores around the area you know seeing meeting the magic community and seeing you know where i fit in the best and i you know went into uh stopped into guardian games uh back when they were on uh third and pine and it was this a uh, little rinky dink shop that was very uh narrow and very long so it had a kind of a very how should I say it, it had a very nice feel to it. It was very cramped and small, but it had a very nice homey touch to it. And I when I went in there, everyone was super nice. And uh, you know, Dane Frank was the magic department um manager at the time and he was really good to uh introduce me and, you know, get me squared away with the schedule of the drafts and standard and whatnot. And the community there, I just fell in love with the community there. Um it really helped that At the time, Guardian was the, I believe it was the first board game bar combo, if you will. And that bar, not that I didn't, I don't really drink, but the bar really brought in a lot of older clientele, if you will, older players. So it was nice. I was used to going to game stores and playing with a bunch of, you know, elementary, middle schoolers, which is not bad. I don't mind playing with them, but it was nice to, you know, socialize and be with a lot of people around my age or, you know, 30s. 40 year olds and they am not to say there weren't any kids but it was nice having you know that core of older you know players and friends so that really helped me get into you know get into magic and building the community and making a lot of relationships and friendships along the way cool cool so yeah that you know i started off with there playing magic and then Started uh playing drafts there and I, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I was you know a decent player, you know, limited wise, I was pretty good. So um Dane just, you know, I think he just kind of picked up on that. And I was on my way. I was about to move, actually. And I told him, you know what, I'm about to move, but I really don't want to move. If you can get me a job here or hear anything about, you know, an opening, and I might stick around Portland. And he said, you know what? I think I have an opening for you. And Came in as a part timer, helping out with the magic department, helping out selling board games and whatnot. Um, got to learn how Guardian, you know, ran their business and how you know we interact with customers and how we do business. And I learned a lot through uh, Guardian. Great.
0: So, uh, what is Guardian known for? What is Guardian Games known for? If you uh, could pick one thing, what do they stand out for in the community? When it comes to Guardian,
1: Biggest thing for well, I'm in the magic department manager, so for when it comes to my department, anyway, we are really well known for our events. Um, we hold pretty much multiple magic events every week, every day of the week except for Wednesdays. But like our F and M Friday Night Magic, we run standard, modern, and draft all three at the F and M. So we run all three events on any every Friday night. So everyone that has their specific game can come in and play their format of choice. And it's just great to have that big, you know, that uh, variety, if you will, you know, if you're feeling like sometimes magic comes out and standard gets a little stale or modern might have a format, you know, new deck and modern might be super strong and just kind of taking over the format, if you will. And it's nice to just switch over and not have to, worry about you know what event is going on which which week you know every friday we're going to run all three events come on down it's a good time and the community is really really good about helping each other out you know helping new players get into the game you know it can be a little uh, daunting or a little intimidating when you you know come in and you see like 100 people and you're just getting into magic and you're just thinking oh man all these people are really good they're going to make fun of me for not being good or being really slow everyone here is just super friendly and just wants to help everyone become better and just have fun. You know, it's not just about the game. It's just building relationships.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty impressive. What uh, kind of turnouts do you get for three events? like oh, my God. What are you looking at?
1: Last week we had, I'd say about, we had about 20 standard players. We had about 40, 45 modern players and we have about 40, 40 ish uh, drafters. Wow. Yeah. That's about, that's about every week we have a hundred people. We're very, um, one thing that we take pride in is some people see it as being rude, but most people, they understand that it's, we're not being rude. We're very, very strict. We have a very, we run a tight ship. We run five rounds of draft starting at 630 and we get everyone out, you know, no later than midnight, like 1130 to midnight is usually when everyone gets to go home. You know, nothing's more frustrating to me than when you're at a tournament and like, it's a five rounder and the rounds over, but no one is calling time. No judge is going over there to make sure that all the, you know, games have matches have been reported. They're just sitting there waiting for everyone to report. Well, you know, people, you know, they're socializing, you know, if they finish their match. They might not remember to go report. They might be, you know, talking with their opponent and be like, Hey, that was a great game. You know, I wish I did this, 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 and you're just talking and you might forget to report. And those things add up, you know, like those things really, really do add up. And starting at 630, if we weren't running a tight ship like we do, people would be getting out. It's not, you know, it's not uncommon for stores to run five rounds and then literally have everyone leave at one, two in the morning. Mm -hmm. To me, that's just, that's just unacceptable. You know, it's, you know, we have kids, we have younger people can't stay out that late. You know, once it gets really late, that late, you know, driving home could be a little bit more dangerous because, you know, the bars are getting off around that time. Whatnot. We just want to make sure everyone gets home at a reasonable time. You know, we don't want to staying out past one, two in the morning. That's just too much.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the uh, your customers definitely appreciate a more professional level of uh, event organization. Like you said, that being prompt and on time, and making sure you stick to your timers, and you're not forgetting anything. And yeah, getting them out at a uh, relatively reasonable time of the night i'm sure is uh much appreciated and that's i would imagine a pretty big factor in why you've attracted so many people
1: yes definitely um i hear that a lot of times people are like you know we really appreciate how much you get on us about you know reporting and getting everything done at a reasonable time because you know time is money so we, as I much as we like uh... having fun and staying there <laughs> Staying out too late is just—that's just too much. Too, you know, going past one and more one in the morning is just ridiculous. That's like pre-release status, you know. (laughs) That's what midnight pre-releases are for.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I've definitely had uh, conversations about midnight pre-releases on this podcast before. And I'm sure the listeners would probably agree with me that uh, pre-releases that start at midnight and don't have like a set number of rounds, you know, rather than running four or five, you just kind of go with whatever the attendance happens to be. That's a terrible idea. Don't end your pre-releases at 7am. Oh, Just, you know, for everyone's benefit, don't do that anymore.
1: <laughs> don't uh, do that anymore, no.
0: Yeah, don't do that. What I was going to ask, though, is, uh, did you ever notice that uh, having all three formats on M? You have a certain number of players that want to play, and you kind of like, oh, they all went to modern or they all went to standard, they all went to draft. And okay. you're kind of like, you're getting less than if you, say, spread it out over the course of the week.
1: It's a good question. Um, when the uh, standard wizards had that whole standard rotation thing going on where they kind of gutted standard for a while, it was about a year ago, maybe a little bit less than a year ago, and pretty much shortened it to two blocks per standard rotation. And that really, really killed our standard for a while. We were a good solid 20, 30 players for standard. And when they changed their standard format to make it shorter, that just left a bad taste in a lot of standard players' mouths, you know, because they had to invest all this money and their decks now are rotating for faster. A shorter than ever. Uh, yeah. Rotating faster, you know, but not, they're going to have to update their decks faster. You have to spend more money. So a lot of people jumped to modern then. And as much as that hurt for standard, it, you know, it, At least the fact that we ran Modern as well, you know, if we only ran Standard for Friday Night Magic, you know, people would probably just not show up or, you know, play someplace else, play something else, play another format, play something else. But since we had all three, people kind of jumped over to Modern and were still in the store, still got to see their friends, still got to hang out with everybody. And when the Wizards decide to go back and make extend the rotation so that, you know, Standard will be a little bit longer, will last a little bit longer, some of those players came back to modern came back to standard and it's not as big as it used to be like i said we were like 25 30 now we're back to 17 to 20 ish but i can see i can see it that you know depending on week to week basis and what's coming up on like the gps if there's a grand prix coming up that's in the standard format i've had a lot of modern players jump from modern to standard lately to practice standard um and vice versa so you know a lot of the players they're also involved in you know competitive aerial events uh, GPs PTQs all that so whatever is coming up they tend to jump into that format and practice that format
0: that makes sense uh, have you noticed that uh, changing the attendance for the rest of the week or is a uh, FNM like your main magic night and whatever happens to the rest happens
1: uh, people love magic uh, the more nights nice, the better um like for example our FNM modern like i said we get about 45 players mm-hmm. well last week on monday modern we had 50 players for oh. a weekday tournament you know just one tournament monday modern six thirty. we had 50 players that was pretty impressive
0: <laughs> that's very impressive uh what's the population of portland how many magic players per capita are we looking at would you, oh, would you i don't know the
1: exact number i, I oh, man that's that's uh that that's a tough question um statistics and numbers like that is uh it's kind of hard for me to, yeah, it's hard to find for me to kind of point out, but I will say that I've lived in Oregon my whole life and magic is just continually, continually getting stronger. It's getting bigger and bigger, um, more popular with the introduction of magic duels on the, you know, on all multiple form, uh, multiple, um, devices and, uh, accessibility on just magic games. Even the magic puzzle quest, people who like puzzle games jump into that and they learn all these little characters, names, and kind of associate that with the real game. And then they jump on and seeing familiar names and familiar um, characters just, you know, I think makes it easier for them to jump over. So there's all these technological you know advances in these games that are just making it really easy to play, get into, really help get the game going. Because Magic is by no means an easy game to learn. The learning curve is pretty steep and technology really helps people, you know, get that first foot in the door
0: yeah for sure that's, uh, so I- that's one of the things that wizards has done very well and i'd, I'd say the last like five years that uh, they've started to make the uh the learning curve like you said it's a lot more approachable when you can get into duels of the planeswalkers first and then you know like you said the puzzle quest and like all these other little touch points and then then you can step up to the real game eventually take baby steps to get control whereas uh like you were oh, saying definitely. before, you know, if you're new to the magic scene and you've not really played very much and you're just kind of like getting into it and you walk into a store and there's 100 people playing the game, you're probably going to be pretty intimidated, right? But oh, but now that's that's not nearly as much now because you've had like this kind of slow introduction to it. But uh mm-hmm. and yeah. I've
1: noticed I've noticed also different you know, there's different you know people like I remember back when I was in school you know, there's the nerds and the jocks and, the, you know, the goths and whatnot. There's different groups of people and you know, magic tend to be towards, you know, this certain this certain type of people, this certain type of group. Lately, I've just seen all sorts of walks of life. Everybody is playing magic. We got, you know, I I see the college football players are getting into the game. These band people are getting into the game. Everybody, all sorts of like professional people that are adults that are into like, you know, fortune 500 companies, you know, not just successful big businesses. They're getting into the game. You know, it's a it's surprising how much the game is uh, reaching all sorts of people.
0: Yeah, uh, it's the strength of the design that the creators have put into it. Right. Like Wizards has made a very, very good card game. I don't think that's uh, like even disputable. You can say they've made a few mistakes here and there, but like the game itself, you know, top notch, (laughs) top notch. So very well. Yeah. (laughs) Now I was just uh, curious, though, about you know, like the uh, circumstances within Portland. That's the thing because I'm trying to get a feel for, like, okay, your turnout. Turnouts to me are like fantastic. Like getting 50 people on a Monday for Modern—that's a—that is a very nice, nice number to have for any any event, let alone a Monday night. So I'm trying to think—is there just just like a Is there a lot of magic players in Portland? Like what's going on is, is there like 3 billion people jammed into like one suburb and then you just, you know, like what's the
1: secret? The secret is just the community. Um, You know, magic community is we're, we're lucky. I mean, say what you say about guardian, you know, our customer service, our, you know, our selection, our, all that is great. Um, What I think really helps us stand apart is the community. We've, We've been in business for a long time. We've gone through four different uh, locations, just getting bigger every time. And we're fortunate to have this giant, awesome location where we have high ceilings, we have space to hold 200 people if we have to. Um, Just... Having that space really helps get people in and not, you know, not feel so cramped. And, you know, there are some people that are mentioned and, you know, I really appreciate the size store because I have some claustrophobia issues. You know, I get kind of, you know, anxious when I get in tight spaces. So, you know, that brought, that brought in some people. And going by that, that started the community. And then those people started building relationships with New York players that came in, could will come in newer people that are just getting the game or even veterans that are, you know, have moved to Portland and they're just looking for a place to play. We're just very fortunate to have a core group of people that are just super friendly, not toxic at all, just really, really helpful, getting people comfortable and getting into the game. There was this incident a couple of weeks ago where we had a player who was a little salty after losing their game, losing their match. And, you know, they were kind of slamming their table for five minutes or whatnot. And we had a customer who, it wasn't even his opponent. We had a customer that was off the side, and he's been coming to Guardian for many years. And very maturely, it told the guy, hey, man, I understand sometimes getting Mana Flood sucks. Getting, you know, your hands, not getting the ideal hand, it, it you know, it really sucks. You're not having fun. But you got to understand that this is a game, and we're all here to play this game, and we're here to have fun. Uh, he told the guy, I drive an hour and a half to get here. I could just." You know, go to 20 minutes away There's from my house. There's another store, blah, blah, blah. But I come here because of the community and the way we do things here. Everyone's super friendly and whatnot. And you're kind of being a distraction to that, you know. And if you can't man up or if you can't, you know, be mature about it, you know, we're going to have to ask you to leave. And this is not me or uh, an employee. This is a customer. So the customers are all really well trained or I I don't want to say trained, but they know how we do business. They know how the community is run. They know how it should be. If there's something that distracts me, distracting or something that goes off, you know, I would have appreciated if he came and got me and that so I could tell them. But all things considered, he was he did a wonderful job explaining the community and how Guardian is, you know, how we play, how we play here at Guardian. We're here to have fun. We're here to make sure everyone has a good time. And it was great. The player, you know, he knew, he apologized. He said, hey, man, I've been working on this problem for a while. You know, everyone bought each other beer, everyone bought each other drinks, and that, that was it. And no problems after that. So I really, really, you know, appreciate the core group of guys, core group of people that play at Guardian because, you know, we wouldn't be what we are without them. Magic, as great of a game as it is, if you're playing against, you know, just jerks or just people that are unpleasant to be with, be around, you're not gonna have a good time. No matter how much you're winning, you can go 5-0, 6-0. If you're not having a good time, you're not gonna keep coming here. Come, you know, And the other end of that, even if you're losing all the time, if you're playing with awesome, fun people, you don't really care if you're losing or winning, you're just there to have a good time. And that's the end of it, you know, that's the bottom line. Everyone comes here, hangs out, you know, sees each other, you know, spend, you know they go through their work days, They could go anywhere. They could go to the bar. They could go see a movie. They could go play paintball. They have all these options to unwind and have fun yet they choose to come to Guardian because of this core group of people, this community where they see each other, you know, you don't see each other at school or you don't see each other at work. These are your magic friends. These are my friends that I play magic with and I like, you know, I like to see them because they're awesome. They're a great group of people and I'm, I'm fortunate to have met them and become their friends.
0: I, I know exactly what you mean. I've made uh, probably almost most, I've made nearly all of my major friendships through magic throughout my life. Like all of my best friends are pretty much have all been made because of magic and the community around it. So I totally understand what you mean about the community kind of making the store. So the question then is mm-hmm. how do you foster a good community? Like what do you do to make sure that it stays healthy and non-toxic and you know like yeah encourages the kind of people that you were just talking about you know it, we really encourage open
1: dialogue um come talk to us when there's situations where if there's a certain player that is just unpleasant to be around or is having issues we encourage people to come talk to the staff about that so we can you know nip it at its butt as early as possible. You know, we've had it, situations, we know we're at salty players or whatnot. And I like these people. These people are great people. They're nice people, but when they get, they're super competitive. So when they lose, they get, it, their attitude just changes completely though. Their demeanor changes, you know, they're normally such a happy go-to guy, but loses and becomes really, you know, not so pleasant to be around. So, it, you know, when someone tells me about it, we go to talk to that person, to take them off to the side, you know, in a private area, and just let them know, "Hey man, we like." I've had a situation where one of my close friends was being really salty, and ang- uh, you know, being angry when they lost, couldn't hold their temper. So I had to put them aside and be like, "Hey man, listen, I like you. You're a good guy. You're a good friend. I like to consider you my friend. You're always happy, upbeat. You're good. You know, you're someone that I love to be around, hang out with." That said, I need you to work on when you're when you lose your matches because you're becoming really salty and angry. And, you know, we, that's just not fun to be around with. You know, we, everyone wants to be around you when you're happy and good, you know, and you're, you're fun to be around. That's the kind of person that I want you to be. I don't want you to, just because you lost the match, I don't want you to become that jerk or that guy. Don't be that, you know, the salty player, you know? Like there's jokes around saying that, you know, sometimes it feels like magic, you know, magic tournaments are like the second saltiest place on earth, you know, second behind the Dead Sea. You know, so <laughs> you know, magic is a competitive sport, a competitive game. There's no doubt about it. But when you, you know, approach a player and let them know, hey man, it's not only about you, it's about the community, it's about everyone having a good time. Like this is FM. This isn't a competitive format. I could see you being a little salty if it was like the GP or a, you know, a PTQ or some high, you know, high stakes term. No, this is a FM. You spent five bucks for this tournament. There's a there's a prize pool, definitely a prize pool, but the prize pool shouldn't be your main focus. It should be about interacting, learning something about your opponent, having fun, you know, just, you know, building relationships, just have fun. It doesn't matter if you're losing or winning, because at the end of the day, you're not going to remember the four or five, six packs you won at the end of the night. You're going to remember the friendships and the people that you meet along the way. That's what you're going to remember.
0: Well said. Well said. Uh, That makes me wonder if, uh, First, a statement, I guess. Uh, Yeah, magic is definitely known as a salty sport by uh, some people. And I think that is a reason why a lot of stores kind of maybe not uh, discourage, but would prefer to cater to the casual player base rather than the competitive player base, because, you know, competitive players come with all of this extra, let's say, difficulties, (laughs) right? Like (laughs) casual players generally don't get upset when they lose. They just kind of have a good time and they're there for a good time. So it's cool. So yeah, it's really the competitive, uh, competitive side of the game that I think gives some some aspects of the community a little bit of a bad name. But uh, it does. So I was wondering if do you say uh, target casual players specifically? Do you have competitive versions of I events?
1: I would say we target them because we run competitive events. We run you know PPTQs, you know GPTs. We run these competitive events, and um, you know we get a lot of those players in. I think it's just the atmosphere and it's kind of like when in Rome do as the Romans do kind of a thing. Um, mm. that's great. Uh, the core of players that we have, you know, those, you know, 80 players or whatnot, 50, 60 players that constantly come in, all of them, they I consider them, you know, guardian players. They set a good example. So everyone falls in, you know, if someone is really salty, you, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb, man. Like, you know, if you're salty and you're angry, like you're gonna stick out. Everyone's gonna be looking at you. Like, man, what's wrong with you? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I, I think the fact that the whole community, everyone already is nice and super supportive and whatnot, really kind of shuts down all the negative negativity. Because if you know, when you're in a room full of everyone's, you know, seeing gospels, you know, we're not being super happy, go lucky, and here you are, just mad death metal raging out. You're gonna stick out. Everyone's gonna be seeing you and. You're not gonna feel comfortable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's uh, for, for Guardian it's very horizontal. Like it's kind of like peer enforced. The community is kind of like it's yeah. oh. this is the attitude of the general group. And anyone who kind of yeah, like you said, sticks out feels a little bit awkward. So you're 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 naturally discouraged from being kind of a brick.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, you know, not to say that we didn't like the staff didn't help kind of establish that, but I mean we've been in business for a time and developing those core players who've been coming here for like 10 years you know that's kind of a training kind of thing you know they're going to learn you know people that have been here for a long time are going to show the new players and the new people kind of how things are run and how how the atmosphere is supposed to feel like
0: okay so how do you go about uh, creating the core group like how did you how did uh, guardian games get these core players that have enforced everything like it, you said, training. Like, do you actually like go up to people and bring them aside and be like, you know, you're one of the regulars. I really like you. You know, I really want you to help us out. Or is there something else?
1: Oh, always, 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 always. When I see something good, or I always, always think players that are that I feel like are doing the right thing. You know, there are players that, you know, it's M. you know, some players will, you know, newer players will come in and they'll not know the exact rules and they'll want to like take something back that honestly do, will not change the game state of play. And, you know, certain players are going to be like, no, you can't do it, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our core players, I see they're like genuinely helpful. Like, yeah, that's the right play. That's what you should do. And goes over and beyond to teach, not just play, but teach them strategies, teach players like how you know the game is played like the core straight you know you want to use play instance at the last possible second you know you don't want a lightning bolt right off the bat hold on to that lightning bolt at the end of your opponent's turn maybe they'll play a creature that you want to bolt instead you know all those kind of little tips and you know little guides or whatnot really help and when i see something like that i really like to reward them you know talk to them like hey man i just saw what you did i really appreciate it that was really great of you nice of you to explain all that and you know, the customer themselves, that helps, that, that makes them feel part of something too, something bigger, you know, that makes them feel like they, you know what, I am part of guardian. I am part of guardians, you know, a player, at guardian, and they take pride in that.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So, uh, question, what does the event structure kind of look like for your magic schedule? So like, uh, for example, like, uh, do you do a very deep prize pool for FM? Like, do you, uh, and by deep, I mean like, uh, Towards the top end, or do you spread it out amongst everybody
1: uh we like to spread it out, but we also like to you know we want to reward players that go five and zero. you know so um we've so we have a flat rate price system that essentially as long as we get certain amount of players which we pretty much always do um we tend to give out like eight booster packs for going five and o uh four booster packs for going three and one uh, six booster packs for going uh, what was it a uh, four Oh and one. So the price are pretty, uh, I'd say they're pretty spread out. Um, you know, and you got to at least have a winning record three and two or better. Two and two won't really won't get you anything, but you know, the community is there. Like everyone, like I feel like everyone there, not everyone, but most players there, like I said, are not there for the prizes, but more for the community. Gotcha.
0: And. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh... So, like, it, it, like having the prizes at least, you know, paying out towards the top end, I think is kind of important. The fact that, you know, if you go five and zero, you should be rewarded for going five and zero. And conversely, if you're, you know, starting out the game, you're not doing so hot, it'll give you something to work on and become. Because ultimately, and we're here to have fun, but we also want to become better. You know, we want to be better. We want to drive players to, you know, research and become, you know, like. Play good magic. Play proper magic. Play how the game should be played, and become really good at it. Because you know, we we want we want the players to grow as well. We want them to be successful. As much as we said about you know competitive players are salty or whatnot, I still want them to go to GPS and PPTQs and do well. I want them to be feel like they are good magic players. So having that little little prize pool, a little bit of top heavy. Is something to shoot for and aspire to.
0: Sounds good. I like the reasoning. It makes sense to me. Uh, let's talk about building the Magic community. So, do you? Uh, does Guardian Games have any specific way of uh, attracting new players, or is it a uh, like an organic process?
1: Um, I think it goes straight from. It's an organic process. Um, what I like to do is whenever I have people, because I mean, we're we're a Magic store. We don't just hold events. We also sell you know products. So when we have customers come in. And they'll be right up honest. You know, they'll come up to me and be like, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into, but my <laughs> friend this game and I, I'm kind of into it. Um, it's a little intimidating, but, uh, you know, and to which then I immediately reply, great. So you don't have a collection yet. You don't, you know, you don't have a collection yet, but you want to get into the game. Check out our schedule. Fridays and Saturdays, we have draft at 6.30 p.m. Drafts are perfect for new players. You know, you're not, you don't have to bring your own deck where, you know, you might be playing against a guy that had invested $600, $800 in their deck. You know, how fun is that? Here you are with the intro deck versus a $600 deck. Not fun. So I want you, to you know, come and draft where you're going to explain the draft process and how you get to keep all the cards you drafted. You know, so you're not only are you building your collection, you're playing in, you're playing in a tournament where it's even footing. So you know just because you don't have a deck an expensive deck is not going to hold you back everyone's going to have three packs some packs are going to be better than others but everyone's going to be on equal footing you get to take the cards home build your collection and you know what you're going to get better because these drafters I tend I find that the drafters are less competitive than standard and modern players so they're more likely to help players you know new players get into the game teach them you know teach them how to play more interactions um you know the proper way to you know tap or untap your lands, you know, all the steps, untap, upkeep, draw, all that jazz. Mm -hmm. You know, really, drafters really, really like to help other players become, you know, better at magic. So it's a natural progression. And then you go from there, you start drafting, and lo and behold, I, you know, tell these new players about drafting. They come in and draft two or three times. They love it. They get hooked. They start drafting for a month or two months, and lo and behold, they have a collection now that, boom, now you can play standard. You have a collection big enough that you can jump into standard and for some you know they like for some standards not their thing they like to keep drafting drafting us but others once they have that collection just jump over to standard and boom there you have it we have a you know now we have a standard player that transitioned from draft and is uh ready to teach the next wave of players and new players how to how guardian is run
0: cool cool so it's a uh (laughs) It's a top-down organization. You you refer people to st- to draft. That's kind of like you kind of funnel them towards this uh, more approachable format before you kind of get to to construct. Definitely. Are there any uh, like new player specific events that happen at uh, Guardian Games? Um. Is it even necessary? We.
1: Uh, we- don't we kind of push like to me we have we have a league we do have a league where it's very casual prizes are very minimal you know price entry price is very reasonable um it's not you don't get you don't have to you know report all your matches you are just kind of meeting other people that are in the league and you just kind of play games um that said i i still think that drafting is the way to go so when we get new players coming in usually it's the drafting is kind of the how should I say, um, <laughs> the gateway drug, if you will? It's mm-hmm. the one that gets people into the door. Boom, they get it, and they start loving the game. And boom, you know, it starts. All starts from there. Meeting the drafters and playing the draft format, not being intimidated by going up against expensive decks. You know, playing draft with you know knowledgeable yet very understanding players is really really
0: helpful. For sure. And I can definitely attest to the fun of draft. so I can see why you'd want to like if that's what the new players are dipping their toes into, you know, draft is a great way to do it. And I would also uh, yeah, I, I would like to be able to draft more, so I can totally understand. It it sounds like it's in your wheelhouse anyways. I wanted to ask about uh, kind of the sales side. So not just events. Like what uh, what kind of inventory, I guess that's a good way to put it, what kind of in- inventory does uh, Guardian Games kind of carry for Magic?
1: Oh. Yeah, we have a pretty healthy inventory. Um, our goal is to make sure we have everything at all times. And by um, everything,
0: you mean everything?
1: I, I don't mean everything, but <laughs> I mean like we, we have we have older sets. We have a lot of the older sets. We, we're probably missing five or six, you know, older sets. But besides that, we pretty much have almost everything. Past, I mean, nothing like revised and anything like that. But you know, anything past like. I say like fallen empires we pretty much have everything so we have all the older sets and whatnot we try to keep uh stock of all like like modern masters eternal masters um you know all the anthologies dual decks we pretty much keep all of that stuff on hand we have a back stock of it so that we make sure that if someone's looking for a particular item we have it um i'm we take pride in our. Uh, you know, like I said, you have given you our modern numbers. So we've been trying to keep our modern case looking healthy. And that's kind of uh, one of our pride is uh, ever since I came in, um, I really, really wanted our single stock to be one of the best. I, I wanted to make sure that if people were, they were coming to the store, they could say, hey, I'm looking for this card. I really need this card. I'm, I have faith that Guardian will have it. That will be the first place I'm going to go. Mm. to make sure i you know, so i we, I'm really take pride in our modern inventory our you know our standard and our legacy is actually really excellent as well but our with our modern tournaments being as big as they are and our community modern community growing and being as big as it is um just having that nice solid invent, modern inventory is really really helpful it helps players you know go into a new deck once they get kind of bored of their burn deck, if you will. You know, my first modern deck, I play burn. Well, as good as burn is, you're playing the same thing every, you know, three damage, three damage, three damage, three damage. Do I win? It's not exactly
0: exciting.
1: No, not really exciting. I mean, not saying it's bad. It's a great deck. It's a good deck. Just, you know, not very exciting. So having that huge modern inventory really helps players be like, you know what? With my prizes, I'm just going to hold credit. So we we do credit for prizes sometimes. You know, if you win four booster packs, you can choose to get $12 in credit instead. And we people bank that credit and they can use that credit to buy into their next tournament if they want to or they can use that credit to save up that credit and buy magic cards. So we got a lot of modern players that, you know, build up their credit get it up to like 100, 200 bucks and bang, they start buying magic singles and they have a, you know, a second modern deck <laughs> or a good leeway into a second modern deck.
0: For sure. Yeah, maybe not a full modern deck, 200s Maybe a little bit low for modern, but it's definitely so like a, a, little standard. It's okay. a little standard.
1: Yeah. I'd say it's a good uh, stand, uh, starting point for, you know, you get your lilies or you get your mm-hmm. fetches, your shocks or whatnot, and then go yeah. from there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a good base to start from. So I was wondering, what is, uh, have you ever noticed a relationship between like the kind of inventory that you carry and the events that you run? So specifically, you said that uh, you wanted your modern stock to be almost always kind of like full and ready to go so that people who wanted those modern cards, they'll know that you've got them. They'll come to you first, which is a great idea. But, uh, does your tournament attendance reflect your stock or does your stock reflect your tournament attendance? Like chicken and egg kind of thing.
1: Well, that's uh, chicken and egg. It's Um, a little tricky.
0: Which one came first?
1: It is. You know, that's exactly what it is. I was just about to say, you know, what came first? And I think our, Tournaments came first. I mean, like, I I came on as a manager about, it's been, I think it's about a year and a half now. Um, Before then, we had a good stock then too, but even before I became manager, we had a solid, solid player base for tournaments. Our inventory was still good, not as good as it is now, but regardless of our inventory, our tournaments were always number one factor. And I I really think that that's the key to it all, like the community. If you don't have the player base, you know, you're not going to have, the foot traffic you're not going to have the i guess that's pretty much you're not going to have the foot traffic to come in i mean i even have certain players that are going to play in a tournament at another store that's like 20 minutes away but that store doesn't have the cards that they need so they'll even though they're already registered mm-hmm. over there they'll rush down over here buy the cards they need and then they'll go play their tournament at where they need to play that said <laughs> a lot of times it's uh a lot of players will come in and they'll get the cards that they need because they'll they'll be at their local game stores where they play. But they'll come in to buy cards and then they'll see the atmosphere and they'll see the group of players that are going on, and they'll be like, "Hey, well, we should try playing here sometimes." It, it, it does go both ways. It, it, you know, it does go both ways. But to me, and to me, I think number one priority is getting those tournament and those core players because the community is important. I mean, having those stock and having people come mm-hmm. in. Buying cards and you know, buying cards in and out, in and out. I mean it's it's nice. But what makes this, what makes it really special is when you have big tournaments and you have players that come in and they're playing in the store for hours on end and it just makes the store a lot more vibrant, a lot more activity. You know, you don't want to go to a place where it's just dead and quiet and there's nothing going on. So when you see when you come into a place where there's a bunch of activity going on, there's excitement, a lot of noise, a lot of you know, people having fun, laughter. That's just, you know, that's something to, exci- that's something to be excited about. You know, when you come in dinner and you see that you kind of want to be a part of
0: that. Yeah. No, energy level definitely, definitely impacts whether or not you want to be involved in a business or not. I've always kind of thought about that. Uh, well, you can see that if you go to a mall at any, any retail location, you notice that uh, the stores that already have people, people will start to go into them and the store that's completely empty. And there's just the one person sitting behind the counter, kind of looking out at just, you, you know, are you going to come in? you going to come in? No? Okay, bye. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's just, they're yep, lonely yep, yep. and they're like, something's wrong. Why is there nobody in that shop? You're like, oh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it's a bad shop. And then nobody goes in that shop. And it's a self fulfilling prophecy. So I totally understand that. But, uh, Please. Please. so, uh, so what you're saying is that the events are kind of like generating the demand, in a, in a sense, for the cards oh, that you yeah. carry, right? Which is something that yeah, I've always definitely. kind of, uh, that's something that I've always thought has been the case. So the, uh, the importance of the events. Driving the sales for the store—that's like a key, uh, key component to the success of the of the business.
1: Totally agreed. That is, I, I I'm a strong believer that you know, I, I can't stress enough the importance of the community, and the community isn't as strong if you're not coming in and playing. I mean, there's also the sales community or whatnot, but you know, that's that tends to be a different thing altogether. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The event is kind of like driving the engine. That's that's the fuel. That uh, keeps the whole thing kind of rolling along. It is. It is. Okay. So the other, one more question I think uh, would be good. I don't know if you can share it with me or not. But uh, like, what? Uh, there's a, a bit of a debate. I would, I would say, between players, about whether or not it's okay for a store to make a profit off of events. So I've, I know personally, there's a lot of stores locally to me. And they're in somewhere in like my nearby vicinity where they will run them at basically like cost, essentially. So uh, the player will put five dollars in and the store will pay out five dollars in credit or prizes and some some uh-huh. fashion. Uh-huh. So the event is yes. literally, like there's no profit. It's just it goes in, goes out, and it's just kind of there to encourage sales. Is that the model oh. that uh, Guardian Games uses?
1: yeah definitely it's not that well it's not that it's no profit i mean five money coming in is money coming in right like people come in they spend five bucks for a tournament like if they get booster packs that's five dollars in booster packs that they bought yes does that make sense yeah the value so it's not that it's not that yeah it's not that we're not making any money despite if we give a hundred percent in prizes that's just as if they bought the product that they're winning their their prizes that's pretty much what they're buying and Mm -hmm. you know people are spending five bucks to get into this tournament well, we divvy up the five dollars, spread it all out, and whatever prizes you get. Essentially, you, you know, everyone paid five bucks to buy those the product. We're okay with that. Um, so that's that's kind of you know we want to make sure everyone's happy. You know, I I was a player before I was a you know obviously a magic player before I started working at Guardian and was a you know part of the other side of the counter. When I was at the when I was on the other side you know, when I was on the, with a player. I wasn't blind, I mean, I go to these tournaments and I'm playing, and I, I keep track of what the prizes are and it's really obvious certain stores you know it's unfortunate one that's near my house like they were pretty much given out half the product that they should be given out, so you know I need to say I don't go there that often. I still go there because that was my childhood store, and I developed a lot of relationships and a lot of friendships because of that store, so I still feel a debt of you know feel a debt to that store, so I, I still go in there you know once in a while and support whatnot but it's still it leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you know for the same amount of money you could be getting a lot more prizes.
0: Mhm. And I know there's there's always that calculation. That's what players do. You know, they look at the math. They, you know, magic players are smart. They can do they can count, they can figure that stuff out. So it's it's always part of the uh of the algorithm that they run when they're trying okay. to consider which store to go to and yeah, so it makes yeah. sense to to build it in that way i was just wondering if that was yep. the case with uh, with guardian games or not and how uh, how that might affect tournament attendance
1: well you know not just like going on what you're saying right there um another thing that really helps us and, and, and it's not that i want to bash my store the reason that i felt like the difference with our store and their, uh, my local store and guardian mm-hmm. i have the price pool well it's not like they're holding back or anything it's just that that's the price that they sell their booster packs at you know, mm. for a long time, Guardian was selling their booster packs for $3 a pack. So we calculate that $3 going into the price pool per pack. Well, if this other store said store is selling their booster packs for $4, that's less, you know, booster packs per, you know, whatever the entry was. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. So, you know, look, Guardian's very fortunate that we were a big store. We have a lot of volume, so we can afford to sell our product at x and x you know so and so price Mm -hmm. well with that price that not only is it selling at that price that is the price we're going to give out for booster packs so therefore there's more booster packs in the price pool than the average store even if they calculate the same you know it's the same way even if it's 100% of price pool goes into the goes into the 100% of the buy in goes into the price pool if your booster packs are four bucks and you know our booster packs are three bucks that's a big difference
0: yeah for sure It's another advantage of getting an economy of scale going on, obviously.
1: Yeah, definitely. That is, uh, it's really helpful to have that. Um, it just gives us a little bit more of that wiggle room
0: for sure. And you know what? It, it, I think it's a good place to, to wrap up the show on a slightly controversial topic of profitability on events. So how about we, uh, how about you tell the listeners where they can find guardian games online and in real life?
1: Uh, online you can find us at uh, ggportland.com um, feel free uh, to give us a call 503 uh, um, 238 we've been around for a long time and you know we we do this for the community um, we really 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 like seeing the community grow and become a safe place to play um, you know nowadays it's a controversial time and you know there's a lot of you know, certain groups of people just don't feel safe anymore because of this, you know, what's going on in politics and whatnot. And I really pri- have pride in that Guardian is one of the, you know, I feel so proud that Guardian is a safe place for all sorts of people to come in and play, whether, you know, w- whether you're this race, this sexual orientation, this gender or whatnot, everyone at Guardian is just really very, very, very about the community. We really care about each other. We want everyone to have a good time. And you know, that's all it is. It's love for the game. So I really hope that you guys can check us out if you're ever near Portland or, you know, come check us out. We used to, uh, <laughs> we used to be this hole in the wall, but now we're pretty big store and, you know, finding us is half the adventure is what we say. So Logan, uh, <laughs> one of our uh, slogans is finding us as half the adventure because we used to be really, really well hidden. But people came out to find us because of the community. So, you know, that said, you know, if we're in the, we're no longer in this little rinky dink corner hiding place anymore. We're out in the open, we're big, we're large, we're, we're just, we're, we're wanting everybody to come in and just be part of this community. Just feel it. You'll, you'll notice a difference when you step in.
0: And that seems like a, a great place to, to close out. That's an excellent thought to finish on. So thank you, Gene, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Right, no problem, Tom. Thanks for, thanks for having me. It's been great, and uh, we will talk to you next time. For this episode of the Maniverse Podcast, I want to thank Gene Ju one more time for coming on the show and sharing his experiences with us. I really appreciate it. If you want uh, more episodes of the Maniverse Podcast, go to ManaverseSaga.com. That ManaverseSaga.com. Thanks again, and I've been your host, Tom Trapplin. I'll talk to you again in the next episode of the Maniverse Podcast.